0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hello and welcome to the 231st edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast, In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a skinny post across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton.
2: The only time skinny and my name could be in the same sentence at the same time. How you doing, guys?
1: Doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to have you back as yeah. always, but Glad as you that. know, we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city—a man who is considering airbrushing his car with the image of Walker, Texas Ranger. It's our intrepid blogger from Big
3: Ten Counting, Josh Cook. To answer Coach's question, how am I doing? Uh, did you see the stats from the Iowa game? <laughs> well, so you're we're... doing good
2: because you're one <laughs> step closer to firing the Ferences? Uh I believe oh no.
3: the plur- I believe the plural is Ferrancy.
1: Ferenzi, yes Florencey firenzee. um i think that is the, the appropriate sites. um <laughs> uh more like the fireinces or the fireenzies is what it needs to be at this point oh uh-huh, yeah 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 like what i did there okay yeah, i did <laughs> Well, uh, as you guys all know, we here at Illegal Motion are brought to you by betonline.ag. The football season's in full swing, and although you may not be at the game this year, especially if you're a Big Ten fan, you can still be in on the action at betonline. Guys, Trevor Lawrence did not play this past weekend, and he's not going to be playing this coming weekend Notre Dame. Uh, And with that, the Heisman odds have changed. Coach, who do you like at this point now to uh, take home the Heisman?
2: Well, um, I think Justin Fields has only thrown two incomplete passes, so it would be intriguing (laughs) to see if he gets in the mix. But uh, I really like Mac Jones down in Alabama. I think he is having a tremendous season. I think he's – well, I mean, they're scoring points in bunches. I don't think they scored under 40 points yet this year. So you have to throw his name out, right?
1: Yeah, Mac Jones is actually the odds on favor right now at plus 125. Josh, anyone else you want to throw in the mix?
3: Well, I'm going to stick with Justin Fields. That's who I said when we – previewed things but what i am curious about now is a little bit of a zig when the rest of the field is zagging what would you get for odds if you put money down on trevor lawrence thinking that they looked a little shaky against bc what if they get upset by notre dame and then trevor lawrence comes back and throws like epic game after epic game after epic game like his in-season averages become insane I like guess per game averages, we're talking maybe like 350 per game, like three touchdowns per game, you know, something astronomical where the Heisman voters then go, hmm, Clemson without him lost a game. Clemson with him is the best team in the country.
1: Well, Josh, you would get plus 250 or two and a half to one odds on that.
3: Yeah, I think some money's going to come Trevor Lawrence's way in terms of the, uh, the betting then. It's uh, going
2: to come I- his way. Uh, via some NFL team,
1: probably the New York Jets. <laughs> via the Jets, uh, I wouldn't mind a little money on Travis Etienne. Uh, he's yeah. carrying Clemson right now. He's at plus five, sa- plus five thousand, which is fifty to one. Yes, you know at yeah. this point, it, it really is a three man race between Jones, Fields, and Lawrence. I still like Zach Wilson though. He's up t- into fourth in the race at plus twenty eight hundred. But, you know, you, you know, you could, there are a couple other guys you might want to consider as well. But, you know, if I'm going for a longer shot at this point, give me Zach Wilson or give me Travis Etienne. So, no matter who you're going to be betting on, from game spreads to totals, team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else online. Plus, there's always the online casino. It never closes. So, head on over to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag to sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Gentlemen, week nine is in the books. It was filled with ups and downs, especially if you are Josh. So uh, <laughs> we're going to start with your misery, my friend. Um, this past weekend, the Iowa Hawkeyes returned home uh, after an opening week loss at Purdue to host the Northwestern Wildcats, who are a thorn in the side of everyone in the Big Ten West. And they did it again, Josh. Brian Ferentz called a game that uh, you know was more reminiscent of a tr- uh, of a dumpster fire than it was an actually coherent offensive game plan. And so, I will leave the floor to you.
3: I mean this this feels like rock bottom. But with how this coaching staff is going, I mean, remains to be seen. Uh, let's start with some basics. Uh, you have a kid making his second career start and he throws the ball 50 times doesn't make much sense we ran 23 running plays for a grand total of 77 yards Now i don't want to fall into the trap of saying oh i was this power rushing team." it's like we haven't been like leading the big 10 in rushing anytime recently so it, whenever announcers say it it just pisses me off but Iowa is a program that's meant to have balance, and we have a pair of really good running backs in Tyler Goodson and Makai Sargent, so it's like maybe they could be used a little bit more than 17 times in a game. Uh, The other carries went to the quarterback and one to the fullback. Um, Additionally, there was some weird stuff with the run scheme against Purdue. We racked up a ton of rushing yards doing power running plays. They were hard to find. Um, You know, I zipped through the tape a little bit after watching the game because I like to torture myself. And I'll admit I was kind of watching it fast forward and was pretty pissed off. But I really only saw like one or two power running plays and one went for like 10 yards. Um, Why we didn't do that more when that was our biggest success a week ago makes no sense sense uh you look at our third down conversion rate again six of 17 not good enough on offense you look at our drive summaries second uh you know second uh game of the season sorry i'm so like pissed that I momentarily froze up. Second game in a row that our opening drive yields a three and out. So that opening script, terrible. Now Iowa takes a 7 nothing lead. How did we do that? Well after our three and out, Northwestern muffs the punt. And we are set up with a seven yard field. So let's not give let's not give Brian too much credit for that one. Our second touchdown of the game, set up by another northwestern fumble which set up a 45-yard drive and then finally our last or our second to last score of the game a field goal that came on an actually a good drive but that was a 13 play 61-yard drive and when you look at it this is the drive that had our most efficient offense and that's the problem with our young quarterback, Spencer Petras. He's not efficient. He's really telegraphing his throws. He is throwing into double, sometimes triple coverage. He's staring down his receivers. And so the passing game isn't coming together, and he had three interceptions. Uh, Finally, our last bit of points on the game our last field goal drive was, again, a short drive, just 37 yards. So our scoring drives outside of one that was 60 yards were all short fields. So we're not producing any sort of long drives. On top of that, shutout in the second half. Can't do that. I mean, that's it's stating the obvious, but you cannot have an offensive scheme that does not produce any points After halftime, that's telling me that Northwestern's making really simple adjustments because our offensive scheme does not require complex adjustments. And on the flip side, Brian Ferentz ain't making any adjustments. Uh, We had three turnovers. Um, They pretty much ended the game. The last one was an interception that ended the game. Uh, Or we had an interception, I should say, very, very late in the game. Um, And then Northwestern ran out of the clock. The, I mean, we're not even getting to the part where um, our best player, Amir Smith-Marset, after the game got a DUI, um, can't, you know, can't sugarcoat what he did. It was wrong, breaking the law, cannot do that. But um, I can't help but think, gentlemen, that a lot of times people turn to drink when things are super stressful, and if you chronicle all the crap that's happened for Iowa football over the last six months, and then your team basically face plants in an 0-2 start, I can't help but think that Amir Smith was unbelievably stressed out. Doesn't excuse the decision to get behind the wheel, but if you're wondering, hey, why is a college player drinking after a football game, I mean you have a shitty day what do you guys do i i like to grab a beer sometimes when i've had a shitty day i mean
1: i i have been known <laughs> to have uh, an, an adult beverage or two after a rough day so
3: yeah so i mean like just where is where is this program they are horribly coached and i don't think that they are looking at each other in that locker room thinking that they have anybody's back um and Look, it's going to get worse, I think, really, before it gets better when you look at the rest of the schedule. Uh, Michigan State, we'll talk about what they did. They just pulled a surprise game against Sparty. At Minnesota, rivalry game, Minnesota's offense is pretty good. How's Iowa going to score enough points to keep up with that? At Penn State, that's probably going to be a blowout. Nebraska, we don't really know much from their small sample size. And Illinois has been struggling, and then Wisconsin. I mean... You could probably pencil in Wisconsin shutting out Iowa at this point based on how those two teams have looked. So, uh, you know, I'm struggling to see where the wins are coming from. Iowa fans had Purdue and Northwestern both as Ws. I mean, I have no idea what happens with this program, but it's very obvious that Kirk's not going to fire his son. It's never going to happen. And... Until Brian's out, the team's gonna suck. It's that simple. He's an awful off- uh, he's an awful offensive coordinator. Wouldn't have a job anywhere else in the country, but he has it at Iowa because his dad is the head coach.
1: Yeah, I mean, coach. I mean, your Georgia dogs probably haven't seen a season this bad maybe since 2010 when they've ended up six and seven losing the liberty bowl but besides that i mean it's been 1996 since georgia last had a losing season and i think we're we're, we're looking at that for the hawkeyes this year
2: yeah it, it was that was a rough go um because it just seemed like we had no answers for anything but then again we you know I, I think the the non-football parts of our program were i don't know I guess you could say a little bit more buttoned up, but I mean, guys were getting arrested left and right that year. I think, uh, I think somebody got arrested. I'm not making this up either. He got arrested for emerging from an alley <laughs> happened in the middle of the day. He was on a <laughs> scooter emerging from an alley. Just digest that one for a minute.
1: I mean, uh, it's, uh, I- I'm gonna, I'm gonna venture a guess. He was an African American player and re- arrested by a couple white cops
2: probably <laughs> probably uh the first part yes the second part i have no idea who arrested him but um it's a good guess for sure
1: i mean yeah it, it, it's dark times over there in in iowa city josh so maybe it's a good thing there are no fans of the games
3: uh, i actually am going the opposite way i wish There were fans there. The boo Mm, birds would have been. mm,
1: Yeah, you know, and and well-deserved.
3: If this had been a non-COVID season, um, you know, I've been at games where Iowa fans have booed. uh, A Ferentz coach team. Uh, They would have been raining down. The entire fourth quarter would have been. I guarantee you every time Petrus passed the ball, you would have heard boos in Kinnick Stadium. And you just feel for the kid because, look, You know, he had a stellar prep career. He broke a bunch of Jared Goff's records. Um, He's got a really powerful arm. But the coaches obviously haven't taught him how to read defenses in college yet. Um, They obviously haven't worked on, like, touch passes for having improved finesse when it calls for that. Um, They obviously haven't worked on accuracy. Um, you know, the quarterback's coach is another long-standing assistant for Ferrance. Ken O'Keefe, former offensive coordinator, went and got a couple coffees in the NFL and he's come back home. And um I'll tell you what's really sad and sick is under Ferrance, the offensive coordinator that has produced the best offensive stats. And had the only undefeated season and had, and produced the only quarterback that Iowa's had under Ferentz in 20 years that's still in the NFL was, of all people, Greg Davis. <laughs> so that shows you the ineptitude of Brian Ferentz. And, um, you know, Ken O'Keefe produced some decent numbers and produced some decent wins as an offensive coordinator, but also kind of shows... You know his standing in the game
1: yeah it's it, it's it's really it's really not pretty there and you know at least for this game you know we thought northwestern could you know come in and upset them but one thing i think nobody saw coming was sparty heading in to the big house and upsetting michigan josh rocky lombardi looked like a completely different quarterback than the one we saw week one against Rutgers.
3: Yeah, um, I don't know if it was just the scheme that, that Greg Schiano is a defensive genius and drew something up that was confusing or, um, or what it was. I mean, I know Michigan, Don Brown plays a pretty aggressive defense, and so if you can survive the waves of blitzing, they, they tend to leave their players out on the island. I know a few years ago, Indiana racked up a ton of yards, and then in the big game, or the game, Ohio State basically photocopied Indiana's game plan, but with the better athletes, racked up like 50-some points in that game. Um, Michigan State did something very, very similar to what Indiana did, which was kind of a feast on the underbelly of the defense, uh, but then pop them with the big play at times. Um, And, you know, that's what Ohio State did. That's what Michigan State did this game. We've seen enough evidence that this is how teams are beating Don Brown's defenses. And simply put, Michigan was kind of like Iowa. I mean, they ran the ball a lot better. But Joe Milton passing the ball 51 times, completing 32 of them, I don't think that was – in the game plan I think that goes to show you how disruptive Sparty was and um you know my brother's a Michigan alum he has a much bigger pulse of the program than I do and he was saying that uh this this is very well the beginning of the end for Harbaugh I mean he's now fallen to one and six at home against Ohio State and Michigan State combined not not a good
1: record coach
3: no
2: no. That's not a good record, and I, I, you know, I've learned with his college experience now that he is, uh, you know, you look at him in the NFL and you look at him uh, in college, and I just think he's better suited for the NFL game. Honestly, um, you know, I think he'll do, I think he'll do better at the uh, in, in that league because that's just the style he is. He's very abrasive and very intense, and and college kids can't handle that. Uh, pros get paid to handle that, so I mean. But maybe today's pro couldn't handle him either. Maybe maybe he's a dinosaur. Maybe he's just the odd man out. I don't know. But it's not working at Michigan. That's that's the that's a fact. I, I just can't believe that a team that got shellacked essentially by Rutgers. Yes, they got shellacked. I don't care what the score was. Anytime <laughs> you get beat like that by Rutgers and force you know you cough up seven turnovers, that's getting shellacked. So uh, then they turn around and, and and come into Michigan and and just come in there and bitch slap him um, 27, 24, pardon my, uh, pardon my Portuguese name, but but um, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I think, I, I don't know even know what I'm trying to say to be honest with you. Um, I think Mel Tucker just, you, you know, I, I think he had a calm demeanor about himself throughout the week. I'm sure he got a ton of criticism and he just said, Hey, listen, we're just going to bounce back. And, and they did Rocky Lombardi, 323 yards. Three touchdowns, no picks, and ESPN QBR rating of 90, 17-32. Uh, to 32. Uh, Let's look at some of the team stats that that are telling. I mean, 449 total yards. They actually were out by Michigan, but um, it, it was a weird game because it was a clean game as far as turnovers go. They, uh, Michigan State had less penalties. I guess that was the, the main difference. But, you know, Michigan State just kept them off balance and scored when they needed to, played – great defense when they needed to and and that's all they needed
1: yeah
3: i i I think part of it i think part of it too is i mean michigan spent all week reading their clippings about how they blew out minnesota and all that and michigan state had the opposite reading about how the world was ending and they're the worst team in the big 10 and they probably listened
2: to our show talking (laughs) about how and we, we, we gave them a big come on man and yeah. Now they're giving yeah. us a come on, man. So yeah. Mel Tucker, if you're listening, get on Twitter and say, hey, Illegal Motion. <laughs> come on, man.
3: Well, on on top of that, though, just like their headspace for that entire week, Michigan calls them their little brother and, you know, dismisses everything about Michigan State on the football field. And,
2: you know. <laughs> you this is, look is why at, you can't discount rivalry. I know. Uh, uh, you,
3: you can't uh, do it. But the, the thing that's always that I always find funny is you look at the two programs histories since World War II and they're almost identical. And you know, Michigan's hanging on to this stuff that like oh, we, you know, we led the series like 35 to 2 from 1900 to 1940. It's like, well, yeah, M- Michigan State was essentially a Division 3 school at the time. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. All, all those games that I coached by Fielding <laughs> Yost really mattered a, a, a ton. So, yeah. speaking though of uh, <laughs> uh, feeling good about yourself after beating Minnesota, well, uh, Minnesota, Oof. maybe that's not such a great win because Friday night they got knocked off by Maryland, who last I checked lost, uh, what was it, 55 to three? I think. 43 to three. Might as well have been 55 to three in week one back. to Northwestern. And uh, Lil Tag. Talia Tugavailoa uh, had his coming out party as the starting quarterback for the Terps, and he had himself a game—almost 400 yards and three scores through the air. Jake Funk on the ground—he yeah,
3: two twenty-one on twenty-one. I
1: mean, carries. who he? I know he, he got up off of that funk. Is it, it, really what happened. <laughs> Uh, t- like I said talk uh talk about lower three touchdowns through the air another two more on the ground for five total scores and I don't know like I mean mo e- uh mo Ibrahim for or, or Ibrahim or I, I I feel like I'm pronouncing it wrong every every time uh, I say it for Minnesota was
2: don't worry I I I mispronounced score. yeah
1: well we'll we'll get to that in a little bit but Um, He had himself a game. I mean, he had 200 yards and four scores on the ground. But, you know, it was, you know, Maryland just couldn't be stopped in this one, Josh.
3: They couldn't. And this was the big concern that, you know, people in in gopher fandom and those of us who are trying to pick the Big Ten pecking order, we had about Minnesota. You know, we thought Minnesota's offense would be fairly good. And um, Morgan's had a little bit of a slow start at quarterback, but the running game, as you said, Matt, has been super impressive. But Minnesota was like a top 25 defense a year ago. They lost a ton of those players. They graduated a bunch, a couple left early for the pros, but their entire defense, it feels like, is brand new. And our kind of thought process was, well... You know, the computers projected them to be like a mid-40s defense. We were sort of thinking, okay, if they're competent, you know, even if, even if those numbers, you know, even if they slip out to the top 50, their offense should make up the slack. The problem is their defense has fallen off the face of the cliff, and it's just awful. It's one of the worst defenses in the Big Ten. And until they fix that, I'm not sure... Minnesota can score enough points reliably, uh, because, like I mentioned, Tanner Morgan hasn't lived up to his preseason potential. So, uh, Minnesota's got to figure out a way to become serviceable on defense, and they need to do it ASAP. Otherwise, the season's going to get away from them before you know it, since it's such an abbreviated year. You
2: remember, uh, when last week you said that I, uh, it's always funny when I'm coaching and and I look down and see a million text messages, uh, a string of text messages from the Friday night game from Josh and yep. Matt. That that was that was the uh, that was the case on Friday. I was like, <laughs> "Wait, what?" And then I wake up in the morning and and I see uh, I see Maryland's. Social media troll. Oh, that was a good one. And I about lost it uh, when I saw that. I, I was dying laughing. That was hilarious. Um, you look at this game. You know Maryland survived two turnovers and ten penalties for almost a hundred yards of penalties, uh, but the total yards, my God, six hundred seventy-five. That's insane. Uh, I'm. You know, it's good to see that uh, that the uh, the Terps and the uh, Tag Iloa the younger I uh, got it got it together and uh, all I gotta say is so far it's been a really weird start to the Big Ten season but it's 2020 I expect nothing less
1: yeah I mean it's it's such a strange season guys and you know every week seems to be getting weirder and weirder one thing that's not weird though uh, Ohio State running roughshod over an opponent this time it was Penn State final score 38 to 25 but that does not indicate how how dominant of a performance this was by, by Ohio State. Justin Fields was in full effect in this one. 28 of 34, 318 yards and four scores. And, Coach, I mean, like, we, you know, we're just accustomed to seeing this out of him at this point.
2: Yeah, it's like, this is kind of like a ho-hum game, you know, that we joke about. The, the kid is just... He's going to be the number two pick overall in the draft. I mean, it, it, it's insane. I it just It's so much fun watching him. And I never thought I'd say that about Ohio State, but it's just so fun watching this offense. Uh, you have Justin Fields, Master Teague, Trey Sermon, uh, you know, Chris Olave, uh, Garrett Wilson, who had 11 catches for 111 yards. to a 10, 10 per catch average. Olave had two scores. Uh, just, just a really fun offense to – to watch and, and see what they do, they and they're so you know you watch them and and they're so diverse too. They're under center, they're in the gun, they keep you guessing. They're very creative. Like Ryan Day is is improving uh, each and every week as a coach, and and I was I was kind of unsure as okay, well he he's Urban Meyer's boy. This is you know let's let's let him get let's let him get further away from Urban and see really what kind of coach he is, and we're seeing it right now he's starting to become an incredible coach and and the right move for Ohio State. So, um, you know, I'm liking this team a lot. Not saying they're going to run the table, but um, because of this strange season and the the way this league is playing, they could could slip up and lose to Rutgers. It wouldn't (laughs) shock me. uh, Maybe Indiana. (laughs) Or or Indiana or, you know, the the Goofs could get their first win against Ohio State if they play them. I don't know. I don't know if they play (laughs) each other or not, but uh, this team is fun to watch. Uh, I'm not surprised by what happened. I, I knew they were going to beat Penn State. I knew they were going to cover. And I knew Penn State is good as, as – as decent as they played. I, I didn't think they played a horrible game. I just think they, they ran up into a buzzsaw, honestly. Um, you know, they, they had 325 yards of total offense, which most games is, is okay. And, and most games get you get you there. They were clean on penalties, 5 for 31. Uh, their, their rushing stats are a little concerning. Only had 44 rushing yards, but, you know, um, yeah, that's got to improve. But, they, you know, through the air, they looked okay. And, and, you know, they didn't play bad. They didn't play as bad as they did against uh, Indiana. They're still trying to figure some things out with with Clifford and, and uh, you know, in that bunch, Devin Ford. They're trying to figure out how to get Devin Ford rocking and rolling. Uh, J- uh, Jahan Dodson, I-, I think I said that right, had a huge game. It catches, 144 yards. Well, um, coach,
3: actually, I I am really concerned about the Penn State running game. To be honest with yeah, you, yeah, it's a concern because yeah, it, it's a concern. Here, they got to figure some things out. Well, here's the problem, uh, you know, Ohio State's defense is phenomenal, uh-huh. so you expect them to have a hard day running the ball. But back against Indiana, their leading rusher was Clifford, their quarterback, seventeen carries, one hundred nineteen yards. Yeah, that's yeah. True. Devin Ford, their starting running back, twenty carries, sixty nine yards against Indiana. Against Ohio State, eight carries, 36 yards. So, you know, first of all, Ford probably not getting enough touches, eight in the game. I know you're trailing to Ohio State, but, you know, you fall into that trap of becoming so one-dimensional that then it just clogs up your offense. And, And so is it, you know, is it the run blocking? Is it the scheme? Is it? something with Ford how he <laughs> sees the holes this is now two games where their running offense has produced really next to nothing
2: i'd have to really kind of kind of watch it just to see oh. um you know really watch it more in detail watch penn state more in detail kind of figure out what what they're doing and if it's a if it's a scheme thing if it's just they've had two crappy matchups or they they just haven't had a chance to really gel in that aspect of of the offense but uh i mean it's a concern uh that's for sure uh but i think you know i'll still stand by the fact that i think overall they didn't play as bad as as they did in week 1 i thought week 1 was was kind of a mess even though you know stats might be similar but i think the team looked it was it was a completely different looking team uh from week to week and i thought they were a little bit cleaner uh, Executed a little bit better. They still got a ways to go if they want to if they want to get that first win. So, yeah, that's
1: all. All right. Well, uh, wrapping up uh, the Big Ten guys, we also had uh, Purdue beating Illinois, Indiana beating Rutgers. So Purdue and Indiana, both teams from the state of Indiana, are headed to two and o. Oh. Obviously, that game the the lateral play. In in the Indiana Rutgers game was to talk of that one, even though it got called back. Josh, I don't I don't know what which one was considered a forward lateral because they were all backwards to me.
3: Yeah, I, I there was one moment where I thought um, the one of the Rutgers players' knee touched, um, but yeah, I, I I was struggling to see why it was called back as well. But I mean, you know, hats off to Purdue. They got to take advantage of the opportunities given to you and they've been given Brian Ference and a covid outbreak but you got to play who's on your schedule and they're 2 and 0 hats off to them but an even more hats off to those lovable hoosiers um you know I don't want to be condescending and call them the lovable hoosiers but let's be realistic they are 2 and 0 for the first time in conference play since 1991, um, so we, we're looking for a program trying to get off the the mat, and I mean they've made it to a couple bulls in the last few years. Things have definitely turned around. We've talked about the recruiting uptick a little bit. The coaching staff has vastly improved, and you know there, there's some excitement. Um, just for fun, I was looking at that 1991 Indiana team. You want to talk about? I want to talk about scheduling? Tough in the non-conference. Here, here was their schedule that year. They opened at Notre Dame, who was seventh in the country that year. Uh, lost. Then they came home. Their home opener, Kentucky, who they beat thirteen to ten. Uh, I'm not seeing too many uh, Big Ten SEC games the second week of the season anymore. Usually, it's uh, it's the MAC variety. Uh, third game of the season, road game to the Big Eight, Missouri. That one ended in a tie. And then they beat Sparty, beat Northwestern, uh, played decently up at the big house against number four, Michigan, beat Wisconsin and Madison, beat Minnesota. They went to number 10, I believe that Iowa would have been Barry in first the... season. Yeah. They went to number 10, Iowa. Iowa used to be good at football. They lost that one 38 21, Aiden Fry era. Uh, then they lost to. Ohio State in a heartbreaker 20 to 16. they so they had slipped a five and four but then they knocked off Purdue in a 24-22 thriller and then they went to the Copper Bowl down in Tucson Arizona now the Arizona Bowl took on Baylor out of the old Southwestern Swack. Conference yeah and they skunked him 24 nothing blew him out and finished seven four and one not the a year.
1: bad season there for the Hoosiers. maybe they can get back yeah. to that this year yeah
3: yeah, I mean, talk, talk about a different era. No, no group of five teams, no small conference teams. I mean, what, what a non-conference, Notre Dame, Kentucky, and Missouri. Yeah,
1: I, no one is playing that <laughs> anymore. They, they, there was no. no one D- playing that anymore. Unless you are like, um, no, like, no, uh, you, no, like the only team that would be playing that these days would be like a MAC team that has to play those three schools, like no, uh, like Northern Illinois or something like that.
3: No. Uh Last thing about that 1991 Notre or excuse me, Indiana team. This will test your memories. Uh, do Do you guys think you can guess who their starting quarterback was? Oh uh, gosh, uh, he he played in the NFL, so he's not a nobody. Uh, Played in the NFL for a while. Uh, Jeff Hostetler. That's not the worst guess in the world I've ever heard.
2: Um, He's from West Virginia. Uh, Repeat the
3: question. Who was the starting quarterback for that 1991 Indiana Hoosier team?
2: Played in the NFL for a while. Played in the NFL for a while.
3: Yeah. Yeah. One hustler hustler played uh, at West Virginia. Yeah. I, I was going to. I um, mean, it was a nice random guess. I mean, Jeff George yeah, would have no, uh, some random guess because Jeff Josh, George played at Illinois.
1: I, I do remember yeah. an old Indiana quarterback, and I don't know if it was from this era. Who or was not. It was Trent Green. Yes. That would be correct.
3: Oh. Trent yes. Green. Yeah. Wow.
1: Uh, the, well the only Indiana quarterbacks yeah. I know are Trent Green and Antoine Randall L. So,
3: yeah, both were really good. Both were very different. Yeah, if
1: uh, <laughs> if you had, you had Trent Green's them, arm with uh, Antoine Randall L.'s legs, would have been a uh, one heck of a quarterback.
3: I believe that's what we what we would call uh, Patrick Mahomes.
1: Uh y- yes, sir.
3: Um, um
2: what, what what did you say about me?
1: Oh, I didn't. Uh, uh, <laughs> no. uh, Patrick, thank you for joining the show for the first time.
2: Yeah. Um. Are we gonna talk about the uh, Texas Tech uh, team?
1: No, we're not.
2: We're not okay. Um. I gotta get back in my playbook. Uh. Coach Reed wants me to get back in this meeting. But uh. And Patrick Mahomes. Uh. It, vote for me for MVP. Um.
3: Go Chiefs. Uh. Patrick. I I have a feeling coaches vamping because the next game on our rundown was the joke of the Georgia Kentucky yeah, game. Hey, can I complete quarterback?
1: Uh, you know what, um, Patrick, like left-handed, oh blinded Patrick Mahomes is better than either quarterback who played in this game, Joey Gatewood or Stetson Bennett. Yeah, I mean, Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett yeah. only threw thirteen passes for one hundred thirty-one yards and was still the better quarterback in this game.
2: Yeah, it was. He just seemed checked out. Uh, I made a tweet about it, actually. He seemed very checked out, I think. Uh, just lazy throw in motion. Just didn't seem like he wanted to be there. He got another couple passes batted down, one for a pick. It was a sense of theme here. Uh, just didn't seem to have command of the offense. I mean, I it, at this point, you know, I, I just I, I don't see how there's nothing there to push him behind
3: him. Hey, hey, Paul, Paul. First time, long time. My First, Gators, my Gators with the Darth Vader dressed-up coach are gonna smoke them Bulldogs at the largest cocktail party. And yeah, I'm a Gator fan from New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> I was <about> to say, <laughs>
2: aren't you rooting for the wrong team there, Chief? Um, I, I, pal-
3: I don't know. I don't know how to do a Florida accent, so I. I went to my the one Southern accent that I can do, oh, somewhat competently, which is a New Orleans it's, it's accent. The,
2: it's the same as a Georgia, South Georgia accent. It's South I don't, Georgia. And I don't North,
3: know what North, North Florida, Florida what? The Coach, give us
1: a South Georgia same. accent.
2: Well, I just, uh, you know, Paul, I'm just, I'm a first time, long time, uh, <laughs> first time listener, long time <laughs> caller. I uh, just wanted to, just want to tell you that, uh, that Dan Mullen is an idiot. He comes he come dressed right in the the room there with Darth Vader. Man, I don't know if he's just an idiot or if he's just brilliant and trolling everybody, but, Paul, I'm going to hang up and listen. Tell me what you think about Dan Mullen and them Florida Gators. Uh,
1: and I, I have now heard it all. I have now officially heard it all. I don't need to listen to anything else for the rest of my life. Uh, coach, I need you to speak in that accent f- uh, for the rest of the show. No, I'm just kidding. Um
2: Wait, well, I mean, I, I can do it. Was man. Were, uh, I, well, I
1: just, was there anything like good to take out of this game, Coach? As a Georgia fan, I mean, the defense, obviously. I mean, uh, I we, mean, we they won. The,
2: we <laughs> ran <laughs> the hell out <laughs> of the ball. You, you, uh, you won. won. <laughs> you
1: ran for two hundred fifteen yards, five yards a clip. Um, and and Richard we, LeCount uh, is still, uh, maybe the best defensive back in the SEC.
2: Well, you you know, uh, that that's that's no longer going to be the case. Uh, unfortunately. He was involved in a motorcycle accident and he just got out of ICU, So he, he is, he is I, done for that that is actually uh, news to he, me. His so. career as a dog his career as a as a Georgian Bulldog is Oh over. Lord. So um he is he's gonna make a full recovery. Um but uh, he suffered a, he suffered a um he suffered in an accident, so that's uh that's no good. He was riding a um, dirt bike and then also no, well, it no, says here, so.
1: here I, I'm reading the ESPN story here. It says, LeCount dirt was running a dirt bike when it struck a vehicle that was attempting to make a left turn. Uh, his mama said he's lucky to be yeah. alive.
3: Uh, Would it be yeah, too but- soon to ask how severe his uh, injuries were on the Bobby Petrino scale? Is it like a one Bobby Petrino? Is it a two Petrino, a three Petrino?
2: I don't think he's showing up to a press conference in a neck brace like Bobby the Brain Heenan, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs>
3: We're terrible. I, well,
2: I
1: was gonna I, see. I was, gonna, I was gonna. I was gonna ask if we, re, we if we if we're, re, if were gonna put on the rephrase. Jay Williams scale. So
3: yeah. let me let me rephrase
1: <laughs> No, no, no. We're all terrible. <laughs> there, there is.
2: Um, DeJuan Mathis is entering. Looks like he's gonna be entering the.
1: Uh, I, I read that portal. It.
3: And, I think it goes without saying we don't make any of these jokes if he doesn't yeah. make a full uh, question for you, Coach right,
1: JT right, Daniels. Right. Is JT Daniels right. starting yeah. the cocktail party?
2: Uh, probably why? Uh, I don't, I mean, I think he had a setback Ugh. with his knee. I, I don't think, I, I think he was cleared and then he had a setback. And I don't think his knee is That's very brutal, man. Right now, unfortunately. Um, so if anybody's going to start it, I mean, why not throw Carson? Carson uh, back? Who knows? Yeah. I mean. Or give DeJuan another shot. I don't know. I mean, it's tough because. The team's four and one with Stetson Bennett, but we all know it ain't Stetson no. Bennett. That's that's driving no. this whole thing. But um, I don't know. It, it's weird. It's it's a it's a weird scenario. But you know, against Kentucky, it just seemed like it, it was. It just seemed like Kirby was just more interested in getting home.
1: Well, trick or treating. Talking about talking about weird. <laughs> um, the the LSU Bayou so, Bengals go so. Tigers. Um. They are having a weird season because uh they're awful.
2: No. They're not <laughs> having a weird season. This is right on par. I mean, do you know how much they lost? I mean, they
1: lost a lot, but um, my god, losing to Bo, Auburn Bo 48 to 11.
2: They were pitiful, man. They had a, their true freshman quarterback was
1: well, he ain't going to be Max Johnson
2: longer. or TJ uh, Finley. They, they, TJ Finley. TJ Finley he was, he was, was awful. awful. Max
1: Johnson has. Ha, I, I think Max Johnson has some talent there. He's Brad Johnson's kid. He, uh, he, he was recruited he heavily promise. by Wisconsin um, actually before he committed to LSU. He would. I mean, to be fair, he would. He would just he be backing up Graham it, Mertz at this to. point, but um, unless he didn't get COVID, but
2: but at LSU, I think at halftime they were down twenty eight to to one no, three, yeah, three, and and two of those touchdowns were. Uh, one of them was a scoop and score, and one of them was a four-yard drive that uh, was only a four-yard drive because the DB. Yeah, stepped and then out by the end of ends. the
1: third quarter, it was forty-two to three.
2: Yeah, I, I, I like I, like a halftime. I went on a walk, and came back, turned it on. It was forty-two to three. I was like, "What in the hell?"
1: Yeah, it was is going on Bo- here. Bo Nix had a bounce-back game, and he needed one to be honest. He really did. He
2: did. Uh, he, he had a lot of heat on him. Um, I, I don't know if it gets Gus Malzahn no. out of the woods yet, <laughs> uh, but it certainly buys him. Because uh, right now they should be, honestly, they should be one and five, um, with all the missed calls and blown calls from the referees. Um, but you know, yeah, I I'd say time, two and don't four. Wanna, they they, don't they you know the, the they deserve the it. win
1: against Kentucky in week one, but. That's really about it. Yeah, that one and the LSU game are the um, only two legit wins that they have on the season. The win against Mississippi and the win against Arkansas are both fraudulent.
2: Yes, and one thing one thing I'll say about Auburn though is, man, I'm I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm thoroughly impressed. Oh yeah, I was 50. just
1: about to say that the stats may not bear it out for this game, only 15 carries for 71 yards, but he's a truck. He is an mm-hmm. absolute truck.
2: Yeah, and he, he he's quick. He he's he's got good, good vision. Um, uh, I was glad to see Anthony Schwartz mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. get involved. I mean, he was kind of the forgotten receiver there. He had four catches, 123, and a touchdown. Uh, he had a he had that 91 yard bomb from uh, from Bo Nix. Then Seth Williams. It's good to see him and, and Bo Nix kind of work some things out uh, and, and get back on the same page. So, you know, like I said, I I don't know if this buys anything for. For Gus, but, I mean, they've been trying to fire him for two years now, so who knows what's going (laughs) to happen there. Um, Well, well, I'll tell
3: you the the good news for Gus and the bad news for the fire Gus camp is their next two games are Mississippi State, who is dreadful, and Tennessee, who... Dreadful doesn't cut it.
1: (laughs) Tennessee, who...
3: I mean, you talk about one step forward, two steps back for them. You talk about they, they, somebody
2: who's having a weird season. Tennessee is yeah. actually having a weird season oh. so because they looked really good at the start, but, and then they looked horrendous, and then you know, they had a bye week. So who knows what Tennessee – yeah. like, at this point, we know LSU is just going to suck.
3: Yeah, but I mean, Auburn could run this thing to six and two before Alabama and A&M. What happens if they win one of them? I mean, (laughs) and seven and three with a win over a top 10 team. It's good for us. Late in the season. I mean, good for us. And and what if
2: he. Hey, Paul, it's good. (laughs) It's good for us. Roll tie.
3: And what if his split is winning another Iron Bowl? I mean, you can't fire him if he wins the Iron Bowl.
0: I mean,
2: no, he, if he he's had some and three, good success
3: the, in that those iron bowls.
2: If he wins the iron bowl and goes 7 and 3, can't <gasps> fire. No, 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 you And that's awesome for Georgia he's, Yeah, he's it,
3: it,
1: it, it's fantastic. I would love that scenario. Speaking of uh, though of, of, of Texas A&M, soon. I mean, they had to uh they had to fend off a, a, a late surging Arkansas team to win 42 to 31. Um now they were up, you know, they, they were up 42 to 17 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So you know they had this one in hand but i personally coach i still i'm still not a 100% a texas a&m believer
2: no i'm not either uh that's why i picked arkansas when we did our uh picks last week I Four and one again um and arkansas is impressing me um they're resilient they're tough they're physical they they wear on you, and, and they're never really out of the game. So, you know, ain't, ain't, you know, hats off to Arkansas uh, in that regard. I, I really, I really think Felipe Franks has grown up a little bit. Although I think he does have some Felipe Franks moments. Uh, Traylon Burks is, is absolutely the real deal. Rakeem Boyd uh, from from Dream U Independence uh, is, uh, you know, him and Traylon Smith are great running back duo there. Their defense, led by Barry Odom, is. You know, I've I've raved about their defense, you know, ever since they walked off the field against Georgia and, and knowing, my God, we just took their best shot. I mean, we we you know we pulled away in the second half, you know, mostly for depth, but man, they gave us a freaking shot, and and I was like, man, I if they do that to the other teams, I I don't know. As they go through the season, they get better. I don't know what could happen. So, and Arkansas has kind of proven that right. You know, they're well coached offensively. Uh, they, they run the right scheme for what they, what they need to do. If, if you have talent deficiency, you got to be unique, and, and they're unique. They're, they're, a tempo, they're a tempo team, and they thrive on that. Uh, defensively, they just hit you in the freaking mouth, and, and it's, it's great to see. And so, uh, you know, this, this one I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Uh, and then during commercial breaks, I switch over to the Ohio State game, but I kept flipping back to this game because it was just so intriguing. It just, you know, got off to a great start. You know, Texas A&M pulled away a little bit, got control of it, and then, then Arkansas said, nope, we're coming back. They almost, and they almost pulled it off.
3: Well, I, I ditto everything Coach says, so I'll flip to Texas A&M. And Matt, you said you don't entirely trust them. What's going to be interesting is the rest of their schedule is pretty easy at South Carolina, at Tennessee, Mississippi, LSU, and then Auburn left. There's a very real possibility this is a one-loss team. And their one loss, yeah, it was really lopsided, but it was also to Alabama. And it's weird to say you don't trust a one-loss team, but it's just – They yeah, played
2: down to their competition too. I mean, yeah, there's just something know,
3: about them that
2: – They, you know, like Florida wasn't playing that great, and they played down with them. And then mm-hmm. both teams ratcheted up the pressure and Florida – is, is a better 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 team than AM and and you know they played down to Vandy. Um you know I can say that now. And they uh you know they, they played what was the other game? They played they played a bad game against against Bama. They got they got they got, you know, punched in the mouth against Bama. So I don't know. A and M's a weird team. They're a weird team. They're they're not. I don't know if they're very emotionally and mentally mature in SEC terms. I think would be kind of the right description. I, I just don't. I they ebb and flow too much. That the, you know the good teams are more of an even kill with a with a tiny spike or a tiny valley. You know they're like freaking peaks and valleys, man. And and you you know them. You really don't know what you're gonna get.
1: Yeah, you you really don't know what you're going to get with 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 those guys. But, you know, and I watched Texas A&M week 1 nearly lose to Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt is one of the worst Power 5 teams I've seen in my entire life.
2: Yeah, that's they're they're bad. No, no, no they they're they're, they're they're not just bad.
1: bad. They are genuinely atrocious. Uh
2: they've made it an orphan. Uh,
1: they really have. Uh, on Believe in Vandy this it, week, we've it, got Joe it, Townsend, former Vanderbilt Center, coming on with me and Ryan. And basically, there are we have decided that we are, Josh, we are starting Festivus early, and we are starting with the airing of Grievances. And it is going to be in all out just what the F is wrong with this program.
3: Just send them up to Iowa, they'll find a way um, to win.
1: No, they won't. No, they won't. Trust me. This th- this team had three weeks to prepare for Mississippi, and they came out on the first series on defense looking like they'd never seen the no huddle before. <laughs> they had penalties on back-to-back-to-back plays. They had two defensive offsides, and then this is the kicker. Josh, <laughs> they got a penalty Where, on kick pick- return for having two players with the same number. Out on the field at it's the same a, time. Just a they decoy, Josh. They dress like maybe seventy dudes. Yet both they had two players
3: wearing the number eighty-eight. Hey, that's a popular number, especially among white supremacists. <sighs> okay, a both players were African Americans, <laughs> so like on top of that, well, that makes it even more ridiculous. Wow, well, but
1: but that's that a is, deep that, cut. That, that is way. a that's very a little... deep cut, sir. So, uh, huh. yeah, um, well, but my god. It is
3: it's true though. It, it is, it is uh, true.
1: Un- unfortunately. Um, so yeah. Oh. V- Vanderbilt's a-, a different conversation for a different time. Let's
3: Should we tell our confused audience why? I don't I don't know, uh yeah, curious. we probably Like do we just leave it dangling I mean, there? Or? They can use Google.
2: That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh yeah yeah long story short eighth letter of the alphabet and yeah you can figure it out from there yeah let's talk about Texas, yeah let's Oklahoma, talk about Texas Oklahoma State, 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 before, State before we get into even more trouble
1: than we're already in um, yeah Josh Josh yeah. do you, do you know do you know what you did I've, I've you trusted Oak oh, you, you broke, broke one the of my, golden rule I know what you did gold, last
3: summer I broke one of I broke one of my <laughs> rules. Which is, I've never trusted Gundy. I've been the biggest Gundy doubter. They were playing such good defense. I thought something had changed, and then, well... Nothing changed. It didn't. It didn't change. Well,
2: here's what happened, Josh. Two worlds collide. Tom Herman and and, uh, Mike Gundy. Something had to give.
3: I mean... Here's the story of the game, you know, four turnovers for Oklahoma State. You look at every other stat, Okie State outgains them 530 to 287. Penalties, I love this. Texas wins the game with 13 penalties and 142 penalty yards. <laughs> Texas, 2 of 15 on third down. Just, uh, you know, Terrible. And literally any other game, you see those stats and you're like, oh, yeah, Texas probably lost by three touchdowns that they win. Only only Mike Gundy can pull off magic tricks like that. Uh, the other thing I love from this game is both coaches had their masks down the entire game until they went out to midfield to shake each other's hands, and then they put them on. It's like you, you do realize you were seen on TV for 60 minutes. You're not fooling anybody. I also love the fan – had to have been an Oklahoma State fan because he was wearing bright orange, not burnt orange. But uh, I think it was when Oklahoma State hit the game-tying field goal to send it to overtime. He was wearing a mask. Then he took his mask off to yell at the top of his looks. It's like, yeah, let's just spew that stuff as far and wide as you can.
2: Yep. My favorite is when they call timeout, all the coaches – they pull their mask down in the huddle, like they're <laughs> they're, and they pull them up, like, okay, I'm around nobody, and I can pull it back up.
3: And yet, before COVID, coaches were so careful about covering their faces with their playbook because they were worried about people stealing their playbook. I literally
1: saw someone Not today to... pull down their mask to sneeze and then pull
3: it back up. Well, yeah, you got to preserve that mask. That's <laughs> I'm I'm smart. That's smart. I mean, you're going to give yourself Ronnie. Hmm, well, but yeah, disappointed in Oklahoma so. State, uh, Kansas State, West Virginia. That was a strange one, I hey, guess. See, what was it, though? Hey, we
2: never talked about that huge ball Yeah. So, yeah, that is. Ex-
3: oh, Ow. Ow, who cares? I think... It's Missouri well, football. Well,
2: Dan, Dan Mullen came out like, like it was uh, like it was WrestleMania <laughs> trying to pump up the crowd. I thought he was going to f- try to do a finishing move on the ref. <laughs> then he showed up to the press conference in a Darth Vader costume.
3: I think whatever... It
2: uh, was only fined
3: $25,000. I think whatever uh, Bo Pelini was smoking before his goofy antics, Dan Mullen found a <laughs> stash of. I
1: mean, listen, really to be did. fair, like Bo Pelini needs to be smoking something these days because it ain't pretty down there in Baton Rouge.
2: He needs to be smoking uh pork on his grill at home and not coaching <laughs> football. Or not coaching at Yeah, they at LSU, they
1: would probably be better off without it. Do you th- he,
2: he he might be an okay coach, but not He was great
1: at, at Youngstown LSU. State. And yeah. you know what? His uh his career back- yeah, his career winning percentage is way better than Scott Frost's at, at Nebraska.
2: That is true. That is true. Maybe he needs to go lead a Another SCS program. Yeah, as I
1: was just saying, Youngstown State, he, he, he was he was fantastic. Um, let's move on. Honestly, there's not a whole lot to talk about in the Big 12 outside of that Texas-Oklahoma
3: State game. Let's move over to the ACC where Clemson – Hey, wait, wait. There's two things I want to say about Big okay. 12 real quick. Uh, Kansas State, a lot of injuries for their quarterbacks. Gross. That finally, finally caught Also, West
1: Virginia is a completely different team at home and on the road.
3: I know. It, it's very
1: strange. They actually um, play
3: football at home, and they they the the other thing I got a I got a bone to pick.
1: Pick that bone
3: with with Iowa State. So, Hi Paul, I got a bone to pick. So, I'm an Iowa fan, but have I not been nothing but respectful towards Iowa State?
1: Uh, you 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 uh, more so than anyone, like you know, tout Iowa State and the good things that happen in Ames.
3: Yeah, do I not talk up uh, Coach Campbell? You, uh,
1: we all love Matt Campbell here.
3: Yeah, did I not say that Iowa State would win the game big, but they wouldn't cover that spread? Uh,
1: according to, uh, according to what we said, you said yeah. that yeah. Iowa would win. You Iowa State would win, would. but Kansas would cover.
3: So yes. So after all this generosity, I've shown, shown Iowa State. All this generosity I've shown Iowa State. Cyclones, you're up 38 22. What are you doing having a one play, 58 yard drive for a touchdown, and a two play, 55 yard drive late in the fourth quarter to blow this open into a 30 point game? Come on. That's my bone to pick. You got to know the spread. I guess, I guess Iowa State. Staff decided they were going to cover the game. Okay.
1: Yeah,
2: I, I knew Iowa <laughs> State was going to – I knew Kansas couldn't cover that spread because they're,
1: <laughs> they're Kansas. They're Kansas. At the end of the day, they're still Kansas. They're
2: Kansas. Yeah. Kansas is going to Kansas.
1: Kansas gone Kansas is right. Okay, now finally let's head over to the ACC. The big game of the day in the ACC was Clemson uh, needing a second-half comeback – in order.
0: Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I
2: the wrong thing there. That yeah, it was. Uh,
1: Clemson, the second half comeback uh, behind the arm of DJ Uyunglele, which I learned how to pronounce correctly this weekend. Uyunglele. Uyunglele. There you go. Uyunglele, but let's be honest. I
3: still honest. like DJ ukulele. Well, let's be honest, his other nickname Big Cinco. Big I Cinco like that is
1: one. really good. Um oh, well, uh, the,
3: announcer, good. the announcer the ca- announcer compared him to Dante Culpepper, and I cannot think of a better comparison. Uh, he could run better than Dante
1: ever could. Dante Dante was not the most well, mobile gonna, of quarterback. Are we
2: gonna get <laughs> Are we gonna get back into Dante Coldpepper?
3: <laughs> <laughs> no I one would- realizes this, but our our sponsor may be a gambling website, but the sponsor of that gambling site, Dante Culpin.
1: <laughs> you got to follow um, the money. Well, <laughs> while, while Uyangalele may have gotten some of the headlines, this game coach was all about Travis Etienne.
2: It was. I mean, he broke the uh, uh, the ACC record. record. The ACC record. I'm sure he broke the yards or two somewhere. Yeah. Um, also for touchdowns as well. Um, it was uh, it was a great day for him, and he needed it after that first half fumble he had, where he literally pitched it to the defender, and he ran it back 99 yards. But um, you know, overall, I thought he had a tremendous day. Uh, he carried the team. Uh, he carried DJ. Uh, okay, Big Cinco. Big Cinco. Um, he carried Big Cinco. Yeah, it's, it's just, Big I'm Cinco from here on out, guys. Yeah, he car- he carried Big Cinco when, when Big Cinco needed it, and then Big Cinco had you know had his moments as well. I mean, he was thirty of forty one for three forty two, two touchdowns. Um, it, it was a struggle in the first half, but again, this team just kind of woke up and said, you know what, we got We got to play some great football, and you know we need to buckle down and get it. ATN says, yep, get on my back. Um, I will have seven catches for 140 yards and a touchdown, and I will carry the ball 20 yards for 84, or 20 times for 84 yards, and I'll also score on the ground as well. Um, and he truly put the team on his back. This was a game that I kept looking at the store going. Um, yeah, this is not supposed to happen. Then I looked, then I watch it. Yeah, it's not supposed to happen. And I missed some of the Georgia Kentucky game because I, I I just couldn't. I was just like, you know, Jerkovic is
1: one of the things I learned this weekend is it's pronounced okay? Jerkovic, not Jerkovic, but Jerkovic.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so one one of the things I learned is I have trouble with uh, lots of consonants. I, I
1: also learned that you know. Joe Tess's kid plays for uh, plays punter, I believe, for uh, Boston College. So Boston, not,
2: so is Boston College back?
1: Or he's the I'm sorry, he's the holder. <laughs> He's the holder for Boston College.
2: Place kicking his back, folks. Um, there we go. I, I, mean, I, I thought you know, obviously that was their best shot. Uh, I, I, I was kind of impressed with Boston College, I, Matt. I, I know you have your no, man. Like, like, like I said, College.
1: like I have, I, I am completely. I've given up all of my BC hatred. I, I'm a new man, and you know, I am not gonna hate on BC. It,
2: Shed the hate anymore. anymore. Shed the hate. <laughs>
1: now, BC in this game did rush for two yards a carry, which is never that good. No, it's not.
3: I mean I mean they're going it, up against a phenomenal it, defense. It was, so. it was
2: Boston College's opportune defense in the first half that really kind of allowed them to jump out to the lead they jumped out to. And then Clemson Clemson just finally caught up to them, Um uh, and, and they you know, they, they turned it on man and and that's what happened and so they they just kept chipping away chipping away chipping away they the, the thing I was most impressed with is they never panicked you know it it didn't seem like Dabo Sweeney was I mean he was I felt like he was almost too calm uh I felt like D, uh, big Cinco was was poised he never he never panicked he never tried to get he never tried to to uh erase the 21 point deficit. On one play, uh, they just kept doing their thing, and it, it was like it was like it was a zero zero ball game, and they played like it was a zero zero ball game, and and uh, that that served them well down the stretch. And one of my favorite moments, actually, uh, low key, was when Dennis Grossel come out. It was four, uh, Djokovic had to go out because uh, his helmet came off, and it was fourth down, and they were gonna, and they had to go for it, <laughs> and. Uh, in comes Dennis Grossel. Uh, I think he's a true freshman too, if I remember correctly. Comes in. It's like fourth mm-hmm. and four. Fourth and five, I think something like that. Uh, fourth and medium, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, and he had to complete. He had to come in, complete a pass, and and he threw a freaking. Dime. Yeah, he threw a dart. Um, yeah, he threw a dart, a diamond long ball. So he threw <laughs> a dart. Um, to uh to the to an inside like to a tight end. On the inside, the guys like there's a defender draped all over. him. He put it in the one spot that the defender couldn't get to, and then he came out, and the sideline was going nuts, and Jakovic came back in. But um, you know the stats are the stats aren't very telling with, with how how good I thought. Uh, no, Djokovic they really are Was he was twelve of twenty four, uh, two hundred four yards and two touchdowns. I felt like he had a really good command in the, in the first half. I think you know Clemson's defense. You, you know you can't discount that because they played a hell of a game in the second half. They really got after Boston College and they made life extremely difficult. So, um, it it was it was good to see. It was good to see Clemson bounce back. You know that they they finally got tested and and you saw they didn't panic. That's going to serve them well through or one of, stretch, other, one of the other one of the other things can, that especially to get into play.
1: That about Clemson man, dude. They just they, they just. They get defensive linemen that are just absolute animals. Brian Breezy, dude, fresh true freshman. He's a freshman. He might be the strongest yeah. player in college football. Dude, he really he might be. Is, yeah, he is he's, he's the one that got he's the safety. a hoss. He is an yeah, he, absolute hoss. Like that dude, like I am scared of him. Like if I saw him and if and we were walking down like the street, like I would run to the other side of the street. I am scared of that man.
3: <laughs> I, I wouldn't. you know from from BC's perspective, you feel like um even with their second half offensive woes thanks to Clemson's rock star defense, they you know two plays basically change this game on the the drive that took the lead. It was a uh, 10-play, 91-yard drive for Clemson. And on that drive, Clemson was facing a 3rd-and-12, and and they picked up 11 yards on it. And then on the 4th-and-1, on their own side of the 50, Dabo goes for it. And it's also 13 minutes left in the 4th quarter. It wasn't a panic time yet. You figure if they hold Clemson to like four or five yards on that third and 12, they're probably punting it. BC's able to play more field position and, you know, who knows, maybe even put together a drive. We we don't know the outcome. And it's just, you know, it's funny how a 60-minute game can come down to kind of a random drive there in the early fourth quarter.
2: Yeah, I mean, no matter what game you look at, unless it's a complete blowout, there's always, there's always five, six, seven plays, individual plays that that make the difference. And that fourth and one, uh, or actually that se- that sequence of third and fourth down on on that drive for Clemson, kind of got the ball rolling because they get eleven yards on third down. I don't think Dabo was panicking, but I, I think he he said, okay, I have confidence that a My defense, who's playing really well right now, uh, can 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 stop Boston College and and prevent them from getting any more uh, doing any more damage. And B, okay, I've got this Travis Etienne guy who's just absolutely balling out. It's fourth and one. If I give the ball to him and he can't get this yard, then we we don't deserve to win this game anyway. And even even Big Ocho. Big Cinco, (laughs) I'm already screwing it up. Um, Big Cinco, you know, if he can't get a yard as big as he is, maybe we don't deserve to win this game. But I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna be aggressive because that's what I need to do to win this game. And he did, and it showed. And so, um, yeah, I was impressed with that. And you know, it's just a handful, handful of uh, you know. It then it led to etn scoring, and then it led to. Uh, it led to BC getting getting a um you know BC had the ball uh Clemson couldn't couldn't kill the clock towards the end of the game they kick it back they give it to BC uh I think yeah where was it was it wasn't quite on the one yeah I think it was like on the four yard line or something and breezy goes back there just I mean he just mauls the blocker in front of him I mean just he just demolishes him like he's not even there almost, and he just goes back there and sacks Jurkovic, and uh, Jerkovic just at the last second is able to flip it out of there, and they call intentional grounding, which resulted in a safety. So huge, huge uh, play for, for Clemson's defense um, in closing out that game.
1: Yeah, it really was. It really was. So, the other game over in the ACC that was of note, at least to me, was the uh, North Carolina Virginia game. Because Virginia uh, comes, you know, and is able to beat North Carolina in a barn burner, 44 to 41. This one was absolutely crazy, Josh. It was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And we saw Virginia. Just able to continuously run on this North Carolina team to the tune of 210 yards, and uh, Shane Simpson, both on the ground and in the uh, through the air in a screen pass, was able to rack up a bunch of yards. And it was it was just an absolutely
3: fascinating game. It really reminded me of the Florida State loss for North Carolina. The two losses are identical, which is getting down really big and then having a rally come just short. Um, you wouldn't think that there would be a 21-point lead in this back-and-forth of a game, but there was. Virginia was up 41-20 in the third quarter. And you, you look at what North Carolina did to create that. Um, they uh, they have a punt that they forced. They force a Virginia punt. And, Matt, you mentioned how their defense has struggled all day, so... You know, this was a bright spot. Second quarter, late second quarter, they force a punt. On the punt, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty gives Virginia the ball back. And with that second chance, Virginia gets a touchdown. And then first drive of the second half. Touchdown for Virginia. So 14-point swing. Then a sack fumble for Sam Howell. Virginia picks it up five plays later another touchdown and you know you got to have your defense bail you out at times but on the flip side when the defense is struggling that bad special teams can't have those mistakes and you know sack fumbles happen but um you know sam howell's a young quarterback he's gotta continue to improve his ball security so um just kind of a shame for north carolina because I, I think if they don't get those huge holes dug, they would be undefeated. But they did, and it, it bit them. You are playing with fire when you when you have that uh, type of game. Yeah,
1: you, you really are. And you know, for the Tar Heels now, you know we saw them start the season well, but they've lost two of their last three. Coach, and they're playing Duke this mm-hmm. coming week, but they've still got games with Notre Dame and Miami coming up and
2: yeah not, not a great no. stretch and,
1: and they also have that a very dangerous wake forest team in there as well
2: yeah how, how about that like wake forest is sitting there yeah i mean too. well
1: to be fair they, they, they had
2: a monster third quarter against syracuse i mean <laughs> i guess syracuse is that bad I, I mean i don't know wake forest is playing pretty good football too i mean uh it's yeah. a combination of both but you know it helps that syracuse is really bad but um, you know they had a monster third quarter 21 points um, and uh they they had a 38-14 impressive win against Syracuse uh you know Duke Duke just uh, ran up 53 points on Charlotte who um that's a yeah there's Charlotte <laughs> so um
3: well, I yeah. just wanted to circle back to something real quick with Sam Howell in North Carolina and something that's Becoming a little bit of a concern. And, I mean, with anything, there's going to be a bunch of factors. How long the quarterback holds the ball. How long the pass rush holds up. Opponents, who's good at pass rush and not. But uh, 2019, Howell took 35 sacks. In 2020, he's already up to 19. Hmm. Is that bad? Well, it's not ideal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you say it's not good. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's not good at all. Uh, you got to stay upright if you're going to play quarterback. If you're going to make some throws, you got to stay upright. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this ACC is starting to get kind of twisty, turvy uh, behind Clemson. You know, I, I'm, I'm not so sure that, you know, obviously Notre Dame's the second-best team. They're ranked fourth in the country at 6-0 and uh, behind Clemson. But, I mean – you know who's the next best team? At, who's the third best team? You know,
1: is it Boston in, in in the ACC? I is still think it, it's uh, Miami. Yeah. yeah, I still think it's you still Miami. still think it's
2: Miami. Yeah, I mean, it's just outside of Clemson and Notre Dame, any team can beat any any team on any given on any given Saturday. Um, obviously, BC almost proved that you can beat any team on any given Saturday. But then again, uh, Clemson just said. Yeah, no, not so much. But uh, you know, I'm I'm impressed with Wake Forest. I think North Carolina still has some things left in the tank. They just got to figure some stuff out and get back on track. I think Virginia is okay. They're a very deceptive two and four. I, I think they're playing some good football right now. They got off to a slow start. Virginia Tech four and two. Uh, you know, and then then you have Wake uh, Forest at four and two. So I think they're a team that that is playing really well right now. Teams that are disappointing me, um, you know Duke sitting at two and five, uh, Syracuse one and Syracuse. six. I thought they'd be better. Uh, Louisville at two and five—that's the team that really surprised me. I thought they would be better, especially no
3: no defense, no on. consistent defense for Louisville. No,
2: not at all. Uh, Georgia Tech still in the midst of a rebuild, two and five. They've just looked dreadful lately. Um, it's just it, it's a tough it's tough sledding for DJ Jazzy Jeff there. And then um, you know BC is. Yeah, they're, they're kind of about where I thought they would be, four and three. So yeah, DJ Jazzy Jeff, Matt probably still one of the most cringeworthy kind of things I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it, it, it,
1: it's pretty bad. It, it it's super bad actually. So so um, let's uh, guys, I think that's gonna wrap it up for us here on our week nine recap. Unless Josh, you have anything else you want to add? Yes, I, I do. do.
3: I have four. I have four rapid fire things I want to say. Let you guys respond to them. And then uh, since we're recording this on a Monday, there was something I wanted to talk about <clears throat> the election <gasps> for a second. Uh but but uh football real quick. Four Ooh. rapid fire games. Coastal Carolina 51 nothing. They held Georgia State to 160 total yards, 30 through the air, one of 10 on third down and 5. Down. 5 total. First downs for Georgia State. Coastal Carolina rolling. Uh, Mountain West back in action. Boise State looked pretty good, but how about very dominant 2-0 start for the Brady Hoke era 2.0 in San Diego. The Aztecs 34-6 over UNLV and then 38-7 over Utah State. They are rolling down there. BYU kept it trucking in a 41-10 beatdown of Western Kentucky. And then finally, Cincinnati, 49. Memphis, 10. Um, You know, I caught parts of Cincinnati games. Uh, I watched this one wire to wire to really get a feel on them. Uh, Desmond Ritter living up to the hype with his feet. But also, this was easily his best game through the air. But what really, really, really impressed me was... I sort of figured that Cincinnati's defense was good because of Fickle. What I didn't realize was the level of athlete Cincinnati had. Uh, Maja Sanders, the defensive end, had himself a ball game against Memphis. Uh, not only is the defense well coached, but their team's speed on that side of the ball was downright scary. Uh, Iowa would probably find a way to have negative points against Cincinnati.
1: Luke Fickle will be able to have any job he wants.
3: Yeah, bring him to Iowa. Come on. Come on. Get him here.
2: Let's go. (laughs)
3: Hey,
2: come on on over to Iowa. Um, (laughs) What was I going to (laughs) say? I have no idea what I was going to say. Perfect. I, I, I I guess that does it for me.
1: All right. Well, in that case... We're going to wrap it up. So, on behalf.
3: Yeah. Well, wait, 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 wait. Here was my real quick election thing. We're recording this on a Monday. Obviously, tomorrow is uh, election day. Obviously, this is posting on Tuesday. So, hopefully, some of you are planning to vote. Uh, I always encourage people to vote. uh, But I will say um, vote for
2: Josh. Yeah. Right right in Josh Cook. Yeah. Uh, J O S H C O O K. (laughs)
3: Um, Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, but I, but I will say this is along with encouraging to encouraging people to vote should also give the disclaimer uh, don't do the whole vote shaming thing. oh it's it's your fault that so and so candidate won because you didn't vote or oh, you know, you're so privileged, you know it, it didn't matter who won the presidency. You, you know you're sitting in this position of privilege. that's why you didn't vote. In reality, the vast majority of people that don't vote are the working poor or the absolute poor. They're the most impoverished Americans. They aren't voting because they, you know, have some malicious intent. It's generally both political parties have absolutely screwed them over. And it's also generally that voting is really hard for Poor people. Uh, If you don't have a government ID, you can't register to vote. If you don't have a fixed permanent address, you can't really request an absentee ballot. If you work the second shift or the night shift, really hard for you to vote during the day when you're sleeping. Uh, If you are a single parent, really hard to find daycare or a babysitter on election day. So you're dragging your kid to the polls or you're not voting. Uh, If your local polling place has been closed and you don't have a car and you rely on public transportation, uh, you might not want to take public transportation in the middle of a pandemic, take multiple buses to a polling place 20 minutes away, 30 minutes away, to go and vote. So don't do any of that vote shaming. And just uh, for some stats to back myself up, because I always like to research, I'm not just talking out of my ass, but... um, Kentucky's a really good example. Kentucky is in the middle of quote-unquote Trump country. Um, But uh, one of the counties there four years ago, uh, Trump had about 2,000 votes. Hillary Clinton had 700 votes. Those two tallies together, 2,700 votes. That's 36% of that county's population, which meant that 64% of Elliott County people chose to stay at home. Uh, Elliott County, by the way, it's family average income. It's $27,000, That's and uh, 26% of that county lives below poverty line. It's more than double the national average. The other thing our country doesn't do very well, picking on Kentucky here again, Kentucky is still one of the states that doesn't let felons vote if you're convicted of a felony. Kentucky has 41,000 people in prison right now. That's an average of 869 people. Per 100,000 population. That is way above the United States incarceration rate. United States incarceration rate is 698. United Kingdoms is 139. Portugal, 129. If Kentucky was its own independent country, it would have one of the highest prison rates in the entire world. So when people aren't voting, there's a reason for it. So please don't do any of that vote-shaming. And finally, both candidates... From the major parties and also the candidates from the lesser parties. um, Yeah. um, Their job is to earn your vote. Nobody deserves your vote. You know, you hate Donald Trump doesn't mean you automatically vote for Joe Biden. You hate Joe Biden doesn't mean you automatically vote for Donald Trump. They need to earn your vote. So my leftist friends who choose not to vote for Joe Biden, no shame for me. People that literally cannot vote because they're incarcerated or a former felon. No shame from me. Um, please do not do that voting, shaming. It is so freaking annoying. Thank you.
1: Thank you, sir. And on that actually beautiful note, we're going to wrap it up here for the 231st edition of the League of Motion College Football Podcast. So on behalf of our... Uh, uh, our own offensive coordinator here in Nashville, Corey Burton, and our non-vote shaming blogger from Big Ten County, Josh Cook. This is Matt Perkins in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast.
2: Cook Burton 2020. That's the ticket of champions.
1: Vote it or vote third party <laughs> Perkins.
3: Third party Perkins, that should be your new Third nickname. Party Third party Perkins. 3PP? Three 3PP.
1: Three <laughs>
2: Who's down with 3PP?
1: Yeah, you know me.
2: 3PP? <laughs> <Three> <laughs> <laughs>